with us this morning, we pray. We love you, and we ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Before we dive into um, the passage from James this morning, I want to share a story with us from the life of Christ. It's going to tie in very... uh, it's going to sign in a very good way for us as we think about what James has to say. There was a day that Jesus was uh, going around doing his ministry, and some people came up to them, uh, came up to him with real evil in their lives. Uh, the scriptures say that they were possessed by uh, demons. And as evil cannot abide the presence of Christ, he sat down, prayed over the man, and the man was healed. People were around him when this happened, and they were absolutely astounded at what was going on. They said, we haven't seen anything like this before. And some of the religious leaders who did not get along with Christ said, there's a reason you haven't seen this before. He drives out demons by the power of demons. Uh, He does this from an unholy method. Jesus, because he knew uh, intuitively people's thoughts, as well as he was fully God, so that kind of helps in that way, um, said, okay, let's talk about this for a second. Let's think through this. You have sons and daughters who are able to do the very thing I just did. If you're claiming that I drive them out from an evil power, how do you think they're driving it out? And then he goes on to say, if evil is divided against evil, its kingdom will not stand. Very famous quote. Many people have used it. But then he says something that's very fascinating, and it's very easy to miss. It's divided by a paragraph marker. He says, consider a tree. We've got a couple of those in Ohio. Consider a tree. When you have a healthy tree, it produces healthy things. If you have a tree that you take care of, you nurture it, you uh, fertilize it, you do everything you need to to make sure it grows in a healthy way, you're going to have a tree that produces good fruit. On the other hand, if there's a tree that has a problem, you can expect it, no matter how hard you work with it, you can expect it to produce bad fruit. Although Jesus is talking about agriculture, trees, he starts to apply this a little bit more personally. He says, you have to think about this. Out of the abundance of the heart, a person speaks. A person from his good treasure brings forth good things. A person from his evil treasure brings forth evil things. The connection is this. Good trees bear good fruit. People who have healthy treasure bring forth healthy things. On the other hand, unhealthy trees bring forth unhealthy fruit. 
And unhealthy people bring forth unhealthy things. All right. I'm bringing this up for us to think about to start with. Because if we look at James uh, at face value and we don't dig deeper, we're going to miss something very important. Uh, It's easy to read this chapter in James and say, behavior modification when he is really saying the evidence of change deep below is the results that you see visibly. If you can see a tree is bearing healthy fruit, you know it's a healthy tree. If it's not producing healthy fruit, you know it's not a healthy tree. And in the same kind of way, James is going to tell us uh, our words are an indicator as to what is going on inside of our souls. And so this is what uh, the book of James says in chapter 3, starting at verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if one does not stumble in what he says... He is a perfect man, able also to brittle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by very small rudders. wherever the will of the pilot directs. Although they're driven by strong winds, although they are so large, a small rudder directs them. So also the tongue is a small member, but it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by Gehenna. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile, sea creature, can be and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh water and salt water? Can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. James drives home this point that our words have a significant influence uh, in what we do. The very first thing that he says 
uh, not many people of you should become teachers, for you know that uh, we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Okay, James doesn't have anything against schools. Um, we don't know what the full context of this was, except that it seems people were under the impression if they could become a uh, teacher, whether it was in the church or whether it was in a local uh, synagogue, we don't know, uh, they were going to be able to enjoy two things, reputation and the ability to tell people what to do. And that's what several commentators have suggested. We don't have a full context outside of that. Um, but regardless of what the situation was, James says the people who do this, and in fact people in general, are going to be evaluated in their words. Our words reveal something about our character. Listen to James again. We stumble in many ways. Stumbling is a metaphor uh, for um, not doing the things that we should do or doing the things we should not do in life. All right. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, always says the right thing at the right time, doesn't say the wrong thing at the wrong time. He is a perfect person, able also to brittle his whole body. All right, when we read this, we need to distinguish between two ideas uh, of what perfection means, how we can understand this. The first way at face value if we read this is if we simply control our words, the rest of us is going to follow in a healthy way. If we control what we say, then automatically things start changing in our lives. Okay, we become perfect. The second view, uh, and this is more closely to what Christ said, uh, the second view of this passage is that James intends uh, one's ability to speak rightly, not to stumble when he speaks, reveals something about that person's soul. Uh, one commentator put it this way, um, the term perfect here does not mean completely without sin, but rather has to do with the state of maturity, uh, maturity, being fully developed in character. Okay. We've all been in situations, I'm willing uh, to bet, where we've heard angry words exchanged. Angry words reveal something about our character. They reveal something about what's going on in our souls. There's something angry. Whatever the cause is, whatever the case is, um, Jovan did an awesome sermon a couple of weeks ago on that. Um, I highly recommend listening to that to take a look if you want to uh, work on that a little bit more. But angry words reveal something about what's going on in our souls. Bitter words also reveal something about what's going on in our souls, where we're at and how we're doing. In the same way, gentle words, gracious words, these kinds of things reveal something about our character as well. Uh, in the conversations we've been a part of, uh, when one person was yelling at another person, we've seen one of several responses. The first is they get angry and yell back. That creates a delightful atmosphere. I say not. Uh, the second option is that people can clam up in these situations. Instead of giving anything, uh, they withhold 
either because they don't want to hurt the other person or uh, because they think just containing this is not going to do anything good. A third option that we may have seen um, is that people diffuse the situation by responding with what uh, much more calm and a gentle response. Of these responses, only the third option requires any kind of growth. It's natural in our tendency uh, when we hear somebody yelling at us to want to yell back. It's natural for us, uh, or maybe it's not natural for you, maybe your natural tendency is to clam up and not help things get better, to retreat, fight or flight. It takes a mature kind of character to have the words to say that when somebody yells in an angry way or talks in a harsh way, to be able to respond in the kind of way that people reduce the tension and people feel something different. All right. This kind of development is not accomplished in the midst of the problem. It's accomplished in the day-to-day action outside of the problem. The problem just reveals who you are in that moment. It reveals something about our character. To illustrate his point further, James gives us several analogies that tell us our words have a significant impact. Okay. Um, I grew up in Brunswick, half hour south, a little bit more country. Um, Didn't grow up on a farm, but I've been around farms before. And I've been next to horses before. Um, Maybe you have been as well. When you come yay high to its shoulder, you know you're dealing with a powerful creature. I read that they're 1,400 to 2,000 pounds, depending on what kind of horse they are and what they're doing. They're massive animals. They have the capacity to pull a ton of weight. Uh, They have the ability to carry people on their backs, run at full sprints. If you've ever seen the Kentucky Derby, they run flat out for just a minute before they're done. It's absolutely incredible. But James says, think about this horse, all of its might, all of its muscle, all of its whatever. A simple piece of metal with a strap inserted into the mouth is able to guide the entire body of the animal. Something small, something insignificant is able to guide the whole of the massive animal. We're, in Cle- we're very close to Cleveland. We're in Cleveland. We're very close to Lake Erie. Uh, maybe you can identify with this idea of a ship. He said, okay, maybe you haven't seen a horse. Maybe you've seen a boat before. Um, unfortunately, we don't have a ton of records of what ancient ships, how big they were, what the average size was. Uh, typically, people think small fishing vessels were like 15, 20 feet. Larger cargo ships were maybe 100 feet, 200 feet. Um, regardless, though, Even the big ships have something small directing them. For a modern comparison, I did look up um, to see if rudders were still in use, and the answer is, for the most part, uh, yes. If you look at, and I did a a quick research on this, uh, the largest cruise ship currently working 
can hold over 7,600 passengers. Okay, that's a small town on a boat. The largest cargo ship can hold 400,000 tons of cargo over, uh, I think it was 1,200 feet long, over 1,200 feet long, okay? These ships, both these ships, are still guided by little pieces of metal that say, hey, go to the left, go to the right, a little insignificant rudder is able to guide the whole ship. James' point in all of this is our words have a significant impact when we use them. Um, a lot of people have made a, uh, a comparison between Proverbs and James, so I went through the book of Proverbs over the past couple of weeks and pulled out something of what it said concerning words. Okay, There's two different impacts we can see with our words, two different ways that our words can direct something. Uh, this one is the power to help, and it comes from Proverbs 15. Take a listen. A soft answer, a gentle answer, turns away wrath. But a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of fools pours out folly. A gentle tongue is a tree of life. But crookedness in it breaks the spirit. The lips of the wise spread knowledge. To make an apt answer, a, a good answer in the right time, is a joy to a man. And a word in season, how good it is. All right. With our words, we can have the impact, the capacity to set a healthy direction uh, both for ourselves and the people we speak with. With our words, we have the capacity to lower the thermostat on the situation. We have the ability to resolve tension and to look for a better path forward. And all it takes is the right kind of word at the right time. These are the kinds of results that people want. Very few people I know uh, uh, want to be in a tense situation all the time. Very few people want to have uh, hurt in their relationships. But very often we find ourselves in this situation uh, described later on in the Proverbs. Um, like the glaze covering an earthen vessel are fervent lips with an evil heart. Uh, something beautiful covering something not so beautiful. Whoever hates disguises himself with his lips and harbors deceit in his heart. When he speaks graciously, do not believe him. For there are seven abominations in his heart. Though his hatred be covered uh, with deception, his wickedness will be exposed in the assembly. A lying tongue hates its victims. And a flattering mouth works ruin. All right. James picks up on this. He's saying we have incredible power 
to set the course for something healthy in our relationships. We have the, the ability to set something good in our lives. And by our words, we can see that happen. But in contrast, we can also see what happens uh, when we don't set a healthy direction. When we use our words in the kind of way uh, that it demeans the people around us. It works ruin. When we uh, insult people, it brings pain. There is an incredible capacity to do good or to do harm with what we say. James continues, uh, and although he changes the imagery a little, uh, he gives something more about its effect than its size. Okay? How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. I like the outdoors, love going to parks, love going hiking, um, been camping a handful of times, and something that I learned when I took a camping class, um, you have to be aware of the factors if you're going to start a fire. If it's a dry season, you may not even be able to start a campfire, it may be illegal. Um, if it's windy, unless you know how to contain the fire, don't start a fire. Uh, don't have open fires, because a small spark, one wayward spark, can begin such a forest fire uh, that it leaves the place ruined. Uh, we've seen a bunch of those uh, forest fires over in the West Coast, uh, to the north, uh, over the past couple of years. They're devastating, and they start small. But James doesn't want to just leave it at something small doing something large. He also wants to give us an understanding as to why uh, our words are the way they are. Uh, we find ourselves saying things that we don't want to say and hurting people. We find ourselves not saying the things that we should say to help people. Uh, this is what he says. The tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire uh, by Gehenna. Some translations are going to say Gehenna, some will say hell. Okay. We need to say two things about this, and the first thing is, as a fire, our words have destructive capability. We've all experienced uh, in our lifetime, I'm willing to bet, someone saying something hurtful uh, to us. Maybe it was a friend that we thought we could uh, trust and who we were enjoying their company. Uh, one or two stray comments uh, hurt more than that they could repair. Maybe we've heard her, uh, destructive words from coworkers, um, comments one right after the other, insults meant to be funny. Or maybe your experience has been destructive words or hurtful words from the church before. Uh, the very place where you should expect to be able to find healing, uh, maybe your experience before was that it hurt more than it helped. All right. 
But if we have to be honest as well, there are moments that we have used these words in a destructive way as well. We've hurt our families, the ones that can depend on us. Uh, brothers and sisters, siblings, co-workers, friends. Um, we've had our fair share of returning the hurtful comments. All right. Our words have a destructive capacity. Even little things that we say offhand that mean nothing to us may mean all the world uh, to the person next to us. Um, there have been times I've said something small that was helpful. I didn't think of any, anything of it, and people took and said that was one of the best things you could have said in the moment. Also had moments where I said something that I thought was insignificant and not hurtful, and it ruined an entire relationship. I might be the only one, and I'm willing to admit that, but maybe you've experienced that too. Okay. James doesn't want to just tell us about the destructive power. He also wants to tell us where it comes from. The destructive power of our words comes from unrighteousness. Uh, James is very, very, very vivid in his description. It's a world of unrighteousness, staining the whole body, set on fire, setting on, course, uh, setting on fire the entire course of life, uh, set on fire by Gehenna, okay? Um, first and foremost, he says, it's set on fire by Gehenna. A couple weeks ago, Javon uh, mentioned that it was a pit outside of uh, Jerusalem where uh, people had offered their uh, sons and daughters as offerings to uh, false deities. Um, and when you read the Old Testament, there's a precedent, uh, as well as some of the literature between the Old Testament and the New Testament, there's a precedent that it stood in for uh, a marker of all kinds of evil. All right. James is saying our words are corrupted by the evil of our own hearts. We aren't completely, we're not complete people. We're not perfect people. Uh, James says if anyone could talk in the kind of way that he never stumbles, that person would be perfect. Reveal something about their character. They are perfect. All right. I'm not going to ask for people to raise their hands, but if you could raise your hand and say you had never said something wrong, I would like to challenge you on that. But I would also hope you would challenge me on that if I ever said I've never said anything dumb before. Okay. There's an innate sense that we've all missed the mark. Um, even in our own standards, I haven't always done the things that I wanted to do to the level of excellence that I wanted. I haven't always done the right thing uh, or what I thought was right. I haven't always avoided doing the wrong thing um, when I knew it was wrong. Okay. If we're willing to be honest about this, this taints what we say and how we treat the people around us. And it affects our whole uh, body, um, meaning spiritually. It affects our whole soul. Um, we cannot isolate our minds from our tongue. We cannot isolate our emotions from our thoughts. We cannot isolate our desires from our emotions. It's all connected. 
And when one suffers, when one is corrupted, they all go down together. If you remember the imagery of the body that Paul uses, when one member suffers, all members suffer together. Now, when we hear this, it may be our reaction to say, well, I just need to buckle up, get down, and get to some change, and start changing my words, start changing my actions, start doing this, start doing that, okay? The issue is, because it's an internal problem, we can't work our way from the outside in. Uh, We're not able to change who we are on the inside by merely changing what's going on on the outside. Remember, what we say is a reflection as to what's going on in our hearts, in our souls. What we don't, uh, we don't need behavior modification. We need soul transformation. And James brings this out in the next part uh, when he says every kind of beast and bird of reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. No human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil uh, full of deadly poison. Our words cannot be tamed by force. We can't put literal bits into our mouths to change where we're going. We can't um, put a harness on it and say, hey, go this direction, and always hit the mark. If our tongues are tainted by unrighteousness, then the cure is not try harder, do better, but something that will make right that which is wrong. Something or someone, rather, uh, that will make righteous that which is unrighteous. All right. When we're speaking from the abundance of our heart, when we're seeing those words that we say, that's not the man I want to be, that's not the woman I want to be, what is the solution? The solution is found. Uh, in Christ. Um, He who knew no sin became sin um, and gave us his righteousness. We just sang that song, uh, Gone. Uh, In Christ, we see that our sins are dead and gone. And instead of saying one thing or another, we get to sing hallelujah, praise be to God. You see, um, our words have a dichotomy. Uh, With it, we bless our Father, and with it, we curse those made in his image. Um, There is a revealing of character and a hypocritical heart. But there is one word that God spoke. Um, the The Apostle John wrote it this way. In the beginning was the word. This word was with God, and this word was God. Everything came into being through him, uh, and in him was life. His life was the light of all mankind. It shines in the darkness, and it could not, the darkness could not overcome it. All right. This word, this second person of the Trinity, is then described as becoming flesh, becoming like you and I. And in the becoming of, uh, when the word became flesh, dwelled among us, we beheld his glory. 
Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, filled the capacity with grace and truth. The word from God had the most consistent character. He did not bless his heavenly Father and curse people made in the image of God. He blessed both. When the word became flesh, he gave of himself time and time again but he didn't come to get something for himself. And this is where our greatest solution is found. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Word of God became flesh not to prove he was right, not to demean, but to make right what you and I cannot. The most gentle word, the most righteous word, the most gracious and merciful word became flesh so that we could be healed on the inside and our words could begin to reflect something healthier. This is not a do try, do harder, do better, try harder idea. Can we work on saying better things? Yes. But it begins with a change of heart. And here's what the change of heart needs to look like. When we understand that the people beside us are made in the image of God, we begin to treat them differently. James said this, we curse people made in the likeness and image of God. If we understood that God took such care and detail with the person right beside you, if he took such care to develop them and to create them, then who are you and I to speak rude, harshly to them? Who are you and I to uh, speak in such a way that we demean them? Yet, they may say things that are wrong. Yet, they may say things that we disagree with on things that don't actually matter in the grand scheme of things. Yet, they may have hurt you and I. But it's not what they've done that determines their worth. It's who God created them to be that determines their worth. And if we want to speak well of them, we can start by understanding the person I'm engaged in conversation with, the person around me who's annoying me, who I want to talk ill of, that person is made in the image of God. As we begin to see these people made in the image of God, we start treating them differently. What if instead of hoping that they uh, get what's coming to them, we started praying for God to do a good work in their life. Not only will that change something in their life, but it will also change something in our lives as well. Our words have the capacity to do great help or great harm. When we see these things coming out, we start to see a little bit of who we are on the inside as well. 
And if what's coming out isn't what we like, if who we are on the inside isn't what we like, then we need to look to the one who's able to shift our thinking, who's able to redeem that which is broken in our lives. And as we do, we get to see people made differently, made in the image of God. And in doing so, we start speaking differently about them. This is James' challenge to you and I. Connect with Christ in a healthy way. And as we connect with Christ, uh, be aware of how we use our words. To hurt, to help. To build up or to tear down. Because if we will use our words to help and to build up, we can create a culture in our families, in our friends, in our church, in our community, in our nation that has a healthy outcome and that it is a blessing to be a part of. Our dear Heavenly Father, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for showing us and revealing to us uh, what it is you have asked us to do and how we can create something healthy uh, in us and for the people around us. Um, I am sorry for the times that I have gotten it wrong. I apologize for the times that I have said things that uh, were not honoring to you. I said things that were hurtful to people, and I did not say things that were helpful. Uh, but I am trusting in your grace. I'm trusting in your uh, goodness to make me new. And I pray the same prayer for my brothers and sisters who are here today. Where they have stumbled, I pray that you would lift them up. Where they have fallen short, I pray that you would restore them. And I pray that we would be the kind of church and the kind of people that reflect something good about you to the world through what we say and how we treat the people around us. And I pray that Jesus Christ would receive all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise from now unto eternity. We love you, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Amen.